If you have your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 6. Um, and I know that for some of you, as you turn there, if you have those things that are made out of paper, um, some of you guys want you read your Bibles on your phones. That's fantastic. If it's in here, you'll turn to it, whatever it is, and go, oh, man, we've heard this one. That's what we, we do this all the time. And think about it. That's our job as pastors is to just remind. That's our job. And it's kind of like, I wish I could go, God, give me a new one, like one that no one's ever read before. And he's kind of like, well, if you would do the first two that I told you to do, I might tell you the next. But until you guys love God with everything and love each other, I'm not going to tell you number three yet. So we're just going to keep going with that stuff. And so what I want to challenge you with is if you kind of go, ah, Brian, I've heard this one before. Um, There's not this one when it comes to scripture, because when you go with God into scripture, he takes you deeper and deeper and deeper. And this came out of just, I mean, I've preached this message before. I preached it at a high school. But when I was preaching this high school on Thursday, man, something I'd never seen before popped out. And so you might look at the title on your notes, um, and if you've, if you've been here before, you'll notice that my notes are a lot less um, interesting as Pastor Glenn's. It's pretty much the title and whatever you want to write. It's whatever God leads you to. But here's the, here's the title for today, Missing Out on Jesus by Being Obedient. You're like, oh, that graphics guy got it wrong. There's a typo there. No, that was my fault. And I, I, I think it's here. I, I, when I look at it and I think through the rest of Scripture, I think it's right Now, I'm not saying we don't go out and be obedient, but let's just pray. We'll pray that God takes us to that level, okay? Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for this morning. And thank you for letting us be together to come to worship you, to focus on you and you only. And whatever we're dealing with and whatever storms we're in, or maybe somewhere on the mountaintop and loving it, God, may we just continue to worship you because you're worthy of it, no matter what. God, may our focus be you. Not just what do we get out of this, but to give you praise. Like this is the one thing we can give back to you that pleases you. just love when your kids get together to worship you and to learn about you and to serve you. And, and so God, teach us as only you can. Have your way. Keep us teachable, God. And if there's something else um, that you're going, that you want, God, lead us in that direction. Not my opinion, not my agenda. Only Jesus, we pray this in your name. And everybody says, amen. Verse 45, Mark chapter 6 Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And just stop there real quick. Put an underline or a box that, that phrase, he made. He made them get back in the boat. Well, why would he have to make them get back in the boat? Think of so far the track record that the disciples have with getting in boats with Jesus. And at the end of chapter 4, Jesus gets in the boat with his disciples. They go out in the Sea of Galilee. It seems kind of calm. Why, why does he pick night to go across the sea? I don't know. But I think, and you'll even see here that they're going across the sea in the middle of the night. And you said, I, I don't like water. I don't like big bodies of water at nighttime. Why? Because that's when the monsters come out. Honestly. They'll sit there and go, I don't believe them. Yes, you do. Because when you've gone to the beach and you're standing out there and you're just waiting and all of a sudden that seaweed comes brushing your leg, you're not sitting there going, hey, that's seaweed. What are you thinking? I'm going to die. Ah, you start freaking out. So don't judge me and say I'm a wuss. But I don't like water during the day is fine. Water at nighttime, a little freaky. So Jesus gets in the boat with his disciples. They're going across this windstorm. The storm just start, starts howling like crazy. Now, during my pirate days, I learned this, that water on the outside of the boat is good. All water on the inside of the boat, 
bad, okay? So that's what you don't want. Jesus is asleep on a cushion. Now don't picture some naval carrier. Don't picture some massive cruise liner. Picture a fishing boat. Jesus is asleep on a cushion. Water is pouring on Jesus, just like on all the other disciples. You have to be absolutely exhausted to keep sleeping through that. And all of a sudden, this is how Jesus is woken up. They come running up to him and grab him. Don't you care if we drown? What if Jesus was grumpy? Can you imagine you're going, no, and just zaps them all. They're dead. Well, that'd be, an, that'd be a horrible way to end the book. But this is what he does. Think about those words. Don't you care? Don't we say the same thing when we hit the storm? God, don't you care? The fact that Jesus, who's God in a bod, is in the boat with them is proof that God cares. The fact that Jesus came for us is proof that God cares. And so when the storms come, because think about it, we actually live in a culture, in a society that we are shocked when we suffer. And yet all around the world, people are suffering every day. But in our minds, it seems like this is abnormal. We jump to when a storm hits, when something difficult presses in on us, we sit and go, God, don't you care? The presence of a storm does not mean the absence of God. The presence of a storm does not automatically mean that we've messed up in some way. The presence of a storm doesn't mean that we're, think about it, they're in the very presence of God in the boat and they still were terrified. If you've ever hit a difficult time and you get scared, you know what that's called? Being human. And I know that for some of you that you'll get those people that come running up and you're, you're in the storm, they're not. You're in the midst of it and they come running up and going, God, God will care for you. God will take care of you. And it's so true, but in that moment, don't you just want them to be quiet for just a second? Enter into the storm with you and maybe just cry just a little bit. God works all things together for good. For those who call according to his purpose and love God, you know that, you know that verse? Hang on to that one. See you later. And then they walk off. In the moment, I want to know, do you care that I'm terrified in the storm? And yes, point me back to Jesus. But friends, if you're going through the storm, don't automatically think that there's something or there's some sin in your life that has caused the bad to happen. But maybe God has given you an opportunity to see him in a whole new way. Think about it. We want to see the miraculous just so long as the crisis happens to somebody else. Right? It's like, God, I want to see you. Man, reveal yourself in a new way through a great quiet time with Starbucks coffee in my comfy sofa. And make me just walk away going, oh my gosh, God, you're amazing. You ever notice you only need the miracle when you're in the crisis? You only need the miracle when you're in the storm. And so when we start praying, God, reveal. And all of a sudden, he starts to usher in the storm. We go, don't you care? It's as if God has to remind you, didn't you ask for this? Because isn't the crisis the opportunity for God to show up and show off? Because what's he do when he's in the boat with him? He stands up, looks at water and waves and says, be still, knock it off. So we were just playing with him. We were just sorry. We're so There's no way that you'd sit there in the boat if you're one of the disciples going, that's really good. You'd wet yourself just like everybody else would. 
He'd be freaking out. Why? Because he told water and wind to do something and it obeyed. And so you think, oh, okay, that one's over. Then you get out of the boat, naked demon-possessed man's there to greet you. You're like, gosh, this day never ends. That's a bad day. You almost died, then there's a naked grown man right in front of you. Then you get, I mean, it's like Jesus just keeps going back and forth across the Sea of Galilee. Why not just go around slowly and meet people? Why keep going back and forth? So in this passage in Mark chapter 6, he makes them get back in the boat. He made them. He didn't ask them. He didn't suggest it. He made them get in the boat. Can you picture Jesus going, guys, get in the boat? Uh-uh. No, no. Every time we get in the boat, something freaky happens. We're tired of the freak. We're tired of the freak show. Guys, get in the boat. Mm, get in the boat. Mm. Oh, I hate when he does that. Mm, we just levitated into the boat. He made them get in the boat and go on ahead of him. What's the difference here? The first time they're in the boat with Jesus, the second time they have to go without him. Lesson one, you pass. Welcome to lesson two. When you pass lesson two, welcome to three. When are the tests over? When you're dead. And you keep going and going and going. Guys, go ahead of me. I'll catch up. Wait, we're going to go across. You're going to go around? Because none of the disciples are thinking this is what's going to happen. So he sends them off ahead while he dismisses the crowd, verse 46. And after he'd taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully. Do you see that? He saw that they were making headway painfully. From the mountain, Jesus is watching this. And he sees that they're making headway painfully, that the storm is against them, but it's painful for them as they're going across. For the wind was against them, and about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. Box that. He came to them. Why the fourth watch of the night, though? Why not like the first moment the storm hits? How many of you wish that God would show up a little bit earlier? Just a little bit. You pray, boom, right there. The fourth watch. So as he sends them across, they're going across the Sea of Galilee all night, between somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. They're painfully going across, and Jesus in that moment realizes or understands this is the moment. Guys, just because, it, just because it's hard doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that it's not right. Let me say it again. Just because it's hard, you're painfully moving forward, doesn't mean that that's not what God wants you to do. True or false? Jesus told, made them, not told them. Jesus made them get in the boat. True or false? Jesus said, go on, go on ahead of me, I'll catch up. True or false? So this is all part of God's will. Them painfully going across is part of God's will. We don't like that. But the fourth watch of the night, what happens? He came to them. On a little rowboat, guys, you guys are wuss. I can do this. Come on, you got this. Come on, work harder. Crossfit, Jesus style. Here we go. No, no, that's not what he does. He came to them walking on the sea. Don't sit there and go, what next? No, no, stop and just realize that somehow everything changed that the water somehow became hard enough for Jesus to just walk on top of. So that thing that we are most terrified, Jesus can walk all over it when he wants to. The fourth watch of the night, he sees them painfully going forward and Jesus comes to them. And so maybe for some of you, this is the fourth watch of the night. And maybe the thing that you needed to hear this morning is that Jesus will do whatever it takes to come to you, even if he has to walk on the water. 
Maybe for some of you, this is the last watch, the fourth watch of the night in your marriage, and you're sitting there going, there's nothing left. I can't do anything else. Nothing's changed. And Jesus is going, hang on, I'm coming to you. I'm walking all over your storm. Don't give up. Don't give up. He walks to them on the storm and watch their response. Before that, it says he meant to pass by them. What is this, a joke? He's not even going, he's not going, hey guys, it's Jesus. It says he meant to pass by them. So what's he hiding behind waves? He's like, shh. Has he got crawling on his stomach? It says he meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. And cried out for all, saw him, and were what? Terrified. They thought he was a ghost. Be honest. Don't be Christians right now. Be honest. Ready? 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 How many would think he's a ghost and be terrified if you're watching that happen? Put your hands up. The rest of you are lying. Okay, so here's the thing. Because you're not, you're not going to go, I bet that's Jesus, because you've never seen him do it. You've never seen him walk on water. Fourth watch of the night. Between three and six in the morning. Have you ever done an all-night thing, all-nighter? For those that maybe in school or high school, you procrastinated enough in your schoolwork that's like, I got to pull an all-nighter. And I knew I wasn't doing well because, honestly, I don't know how I passed college, but I'd be typing and then I'd wake up typing. I'm like, what? That's not even English. What is that? And that's every race. Or sometimes I'd wake up typing and go, oh, that's good. That's better than when I'm awake. So you pull that all-nighter or, I don't know, when I, was a, when I did youth work and kids would come, Brian, can we, come ha- can we have this thing called an all-nighter? I'm like, oh, God, why do you hate me? I think Satan created them. And then he tempted some youth pastor going, this is what you want to do. Bring a bunch of youth together, jack them up on sugar, lock yourselves in. That doesn't sound like fun. That sounds like prison. That's what we're going to do. And about 4.30 in the morning, I'm like, we're going good. Boom, hit the wall. I don't remember my name at that moment. I don't remember I'm human. I don't know what I'm doing there. I'm just freaking out. Can you imagine 3 to 6 in the morning, you're still straining the oars, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, wait, 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 look, look, it's late at night. We're on this open sea. This is when the monsters are out. Wait, wait, what's, what's that? It's not like one person. They all see, go, ah, it's a ghost. And they're terrified. Friends, if you've never been terrified by Jesus, I doubt that you're following as close to him as you think you are. He didn't, he didn't warn them. Guys, you're going to see me walking on water. Just warning you so you don't freak out. It's like he just starts walking going, ah, this is going to be fun. Gets closer, all they're freaking out. <laughs> I'm trying to pass by them. I didn't want them to see me. They see, they freak out. Now watch this. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Boo! No, I'm just joking. He said this. Just kidding. Make sure you're awake. Ready? He says, take heart. It's I. Don't be afraid. You know why Jesus had to say, don't be afraid? Because they were. You know the reason he tells us, don't be afraid? Because he knows that we are. Isn't it weird? You sense fear, and then you feel guilt. I don't have enough faith, God. I'm so sorry I was afraid. 
Jesus gets it. That's why he had to tell them over and over. Guys, don't be afraid. Think about it. They get to see him, and they're afraid. We don't get to see him, and we're afraid. And then we're afraid to go to him because we're afraid. He says, it's me? Immediately. Ah! Honestly, who would have messed with him just a little bit? Anybody? I would have. I'd been like, ooh, yay. <laughs> no, immediately. No, 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 it's me. It's me. Don't be afraid. And you think, well, that's where it stops because he gets in the boat in verse 51. But here's the thing. That's Mark's account. A lot of scholars think that Mark is just pretty much penning whatever Peter's preaching. So as Peter would be preaching, Mark is sitting there and he's writing out the words of Peter. Notice that Peter doesn't bring this part of the story up. It's just kind of like if it's Peter's account, oh, we saw him, we freaked out, he got in the boat, we moved on. And Matthew's like, no, 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 there's a whole nother part. Peter, shut up, sit down. This is where it picks up, Matthew chapter 14, verse 29. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. That may be the dumbest thing ever in scripture. Because you think it's a ghost, and you go, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you as if the ghost can't lie. Yeah, okay, come on, die, I don't care. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. What was the command that Jesus, that Jesus gave? Get in the boat, go on ahead of me to the other side. That was the command. They were all obedient. And then Peter steps it up. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I don't want to swim. I don't want to get wet. Tell me to come to you on the water. Lord, if it's you. Tell me to come to you. Walking on water. Notice Jesus' response. One word. Come. Come. Crazy. Was this Jesus' idea? No. It was Peter's. He was just told, get in the boat, make it to the other side, I'll get there. Peter sees Jesus doing the impossible and Peter says, okay, I've watched you calm the seas. I've watched you feed the multitudes. I've watched you heal the sick. I've watched you give sight to the blind and give hearing to the deaf. I've seen you do the impossible. I want to be part of it too. So I can either stay in the boat and be obedient or I can come to you if you let me and experience something I never experienced before. And for some of you, you have that OCD tendency, The boat, that's great. It's predictable. I'm doing the thou shouts and I'm staying away from the thou shalt nots. Just give me the list and that's all I want to do. And here's the thing. In that mindset, the only thing that you're missing out on is Jesus. Isn't it weird that Peter came up with this crazy idea to walk on water and Jesus said, yes, let's do it. Come on, come on. What is that huge thing that you want to see Jesus do and you want to be part of it? Guys, I have a heart. I have a heart for the next generation. It breaks my heart that some 28% of young adults are involved in a church and we think we're winning. Things got to change, friends. What should change? Guys, we should do anything short of sin to help the next generation come back to the church. Anything short of sin. To see them, how many? Let's, let's bump the percentage up by two. No, no, no. Let's bump the percentage to 100. 
You say, oh, that's too crazy, like walking on water. That I could look at Jesus and go, okay, I'm being obedient, but Jesus, let's get him. I want to get the next generation. What do you think? Yeah, come on. Let's do that. Rather than at the end of my day saying, I had a quiet time. I went to church. Isn't it weird we go to church rather than being the church? What we do is we come together on Sunday to worship and we're supposed to be the church. The church is a movement, not a place. So we, I went to church twice, double check, and Bible study, check plus. And during singing, man, I clapped for every song, not just the parts they told me to, but I was going for it. Even when I was by myself, check, 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 plus, plus. Hands were up higher than the next person. I even did a little service when I was with other people that saw me serve, check, check. But what is it that breaks your heart? What is it that breaks your heart that you want to see Jesus change? I love the fact that Simon had enough nerve to come up with this harebrained idea to be part of the impossible. I know that for some, you can sit there and go, but did you read the rest, what happened to him? I know, let's read that real quick and then, and then we'll deal with that. Verse 29, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. Dang. He walked on water. Can you imagine? What if Peter was just starting off going, okay, I want to sound really spiritual in front of my friends. Jesus, that's you tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. You're like, oh, crud. Then all the other friends are like, go on, Jesus, or go on, Peter, go walk on the water. Get the camera out. Go on, walk on water, Peter. Water walker, Peter. Go, 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 go. What did it feel like when he put his foot over the side and stepped and it held? Now he could have just stayed there. This is safe because if it starts to, you can just jump back in. But then all of a sudden he takes the other one. And you imagine a lot of disciples going, go on, Peter, go, Peter. You imagine Peter takes the first step. What would you do? It's working. Take the next step. Oh. It says that, G, or that Peter walked on the water and it was Peter's idea. And Jesus said, sure, come on, let's do this. He walks on the water. Now some of you sit there and, sit there and go, read the rest. This is why he shouldn't have done it. Uh, you're going to be mad in just a second. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And that's when you sit and go, see, got in trouble. No. Guys, if you picture any anger in Jesus' voice in this part, you're a legalist. How do I know? Psalm 103. Tells us God does not treat us as our sins deserve. As high as the heavens are above the earth, oh, so is his steadfast love for us. As far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion on his son, so God shows compassion on us. Why? Because he knows our frame. He knows that we're but dust. 
Scripture says that we have a high priest who sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. Jesus gave the invitation, which meant he says, I'm with this, absolutely. And as Peter's walking, you ever had this? I'm going, I'm doing it. Then you start getting discouraged or freaked out because all the stuff that's going around, all the stuff around you that's just hitting you. So you get freaked out and you take your eyes off of Jesus and then you sink. And so this is what happens. So many, for so many of us, we sit and go, I can't go to Jesus because I was supposed to be doing better than this. So instead of doing what Peter did, it says immediately he said, Lord, save me. We just try to figure it out on our own. Why? Because we're either too afraid to go to Jesus or we're too proud. Let me tell you what Jesus said to us. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So let me just encourage every single one of you. You suck (laughs) at everything. Without Jesus, you can do nothing. Honestly, doesn't that just feel great? It's like, ah. Oh. So you're sitting there going, you don't know how good I, you suck. You do. We all do. Isn't it great? We're a bunch of sinners. We're all screw-ups. We're just trying the best that we can. We got a God who understands it. But with Jesus, man, we can walk on water. But what happens when we fail? We have this idea and it doesn't work out. Does Jesus go, oh, you of little faith? Or does he say, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Gosh, you were doing it. You were doing so good. Can you picture as Peter is taking his steps that Jesus is over here a little bit further back going, yeah, you got this. Looking behind at the other disciples going, why didn't you try this? Peter, come on, come on, keep coming. Do you picture Jesus doing that for you? Or are you too busy living for him rather than with him? Do you picture him just applauding, excited, every step going, yeah. And then as you sink, all you have is, Lord, save me. And it says immediately, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, why'd you doubt? You were doing it. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So you can sit there and go, Peter shouldn't have even tried because he failed. He's got, a better, he's got a better memory of Jesus than we do. He's got a better memory with Jesus than I do. Why? Because he tried. But he failed. But here's the thing. How did Jesus get him back to the boat? And he took some steps so he's not right by it anymore. Do you think that Jesus just dragged him? Well, we'll have to learn. <laughs> just drag him by his foot. He's all gargling as he's trying to get in the boat. It says that Jesus grabbed him, took hold of him, I'm guessing they just turned around and they both walked back to the boat. Some, some would say, Brian, he failed. And I say, no, no, no. He tried. The others failed. He tried. And that impressed Jesus. I said, I want to see young people loving Jesus part of his church. What breaks your heart where you would actually look at Jesus and go, can I do this with you? Or is it just about quiet time, go to a place to sing songs, pray some prayers, trying to stay awake in the midst of it? Or you found your purpose, that thing that you wake up going, oh, what's happening today? 
God, let's change this and make it something that's so big that there's only one way that it will happen, and it's Jesus. It says they all, they, they came back to the boat, and they what? They worshiped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. For those of you in the midst of the storm, what's the purpose of the storm? To cause us to see Jesus in a whole new way, reminding us that he's not just Jesus, but he's Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. He is sovereign commander of the universe and can be trusted with every detail of our lives. That's Jesus. There's no just Jesus about him. They worshiped him. The purpose of the storm, they saw a whole new perspective. That Jesus revealed himself in a whole new way and it caused them to worship. Before asking God to take away the storm, maybe the first thing we should ask God is, hey, is this a time you're gonna show me something new? Because if you can predict how God is going to work, if you can predict every single time how God is going to work, you have become your own God and you are not following Jesus. He is not that predictable. He is way too creative. Guys, he walked on flipping water just because he could. What makes you think he won't do it today? So here's what I think needs to happen. I think the worship team is going to come back in just in just a second, hopefully pretty soon. And here's what we're going to do. Because if not, I can't read this and play guitar with my mouth at the same time. So here's what we're going to do. Revelation chapter 5. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself, I face this storm and I go, God, where? Jesus, can you really take care of that? Is anybody with me on that? It's like, God, can you really take care of this one? I mean, this one's big. Can you really help with this situation? Let me close out Mark 6 before we get there. Keep your finger there in Revelation 5. Catch this. When they crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. Isn't that just picture the sight? You get off the boat, people recognize Jesus. This is what's crazy. They recognize him. This is not Jewish territory, but they recognize him. When Jesus went home to his hometown, he goes to Nazareth and he's saying these things. They're impressed with the things that he's saying and they had heard all these reports about the miracles that he was doing, but then they, 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 they were offended by him because they said this, isn't this Jesus the carpenter? And that word carpenter in the Greek, you know what they actually said? Isn't this the handyman? I mean, isn't this the guy that came around and cleaned our gutters? Isn't this the guy that would fix a table? Isn't this the guy that put our mailbox up when some kid ran over it? I mean, isn't this just Jesus, the handyman? They took offense at him and says that he, could, he couldn't do any miracles except for a couple because only a couple came to him. Why? They knew him. In other words, they got used to him. You know, when you go to church for so long, you know Jesus. But do you recognize him for who he is? He lands at Gennesaret and they recognize him. And so what do they do? They're bringing people on their beds. It's like, you're too sick to come? All right, get them. Pull the beds. Can you just picture the parade of people just coming, people limping, people dragging themselves, crawling, other people coming on their beds? And it says that Jesus healed every single one of them. 
Why? Because they recognized, they didn't know him. They recognized him as the God of the universe. They recognized that he could do something about what I was going through. They might not have seen him as holy God, but man, he could fix it. Christians, do we recognize him as God? As the God of the universe, sovereign commander of all, in charge, nothing outside of his control. So here's how we're going to close. I'm just going to read Revelation 5. I'm not going to go into explaining it because that's when we all start fighting about stuff that doesn't matter. But in Revelation chapter 5, we're just going to worship Because maybe it's supposed to be something like this. Then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. And then they looked. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped That is the Jesus that we claim to follow. That is the Jesus that we are surrendered to. Friends, when you sit and go, I can't see how it's going to change. Jesus is on the throne. And maybe it's time We stop criticizing culture and create it. How do you do it? Tell people about Jesus. Take a break from CNN. Take a break from Fox News. 
and tell people about Jesus. Stop. We need to stop telling people how bad they are. Just bring them to Jesus. What's he going to do? The thing that he's been doing before the time began. Drawing all men to himself. You want to see a culture change? We got to get out of the house. Get out the couch. Stop blogging. Stop reading blogs. And go tell people about Jesus. We are his church. And the gates of hell cannot withstand us. What can he do? He can walk on water. But what can I do? You can walk with him on the water. Jesus, as we worship you, may we worship you in a manner that is worthy of you. May we go forward in the call that you've given to us with the dream that you have given to so many of us, the thing that breaks our hearts because it breaks yours. May we go forward with humility and a childlike awe saying, God, I want to do that with you. I want to walk on water with you. I want to see young adults come to know you and love you and love your church. I want to see those who are in sex trafficking be released, all of them. I want to see the oppressed freed. I want to see the hungry fed. I want to see relationships that are a point of breaking, mended and healed. Jesus, I want to walk on water with you. So with heads bowed and eyes shut, if you're saying, Jesus, I want to walk on the water with you, then in a moment as I continue to pray, you're going to stand up. And if you don't, just stay seated because some, maybe you're just where the other disciples were, just on the boat. But you're saying, okay, I want something different. I want to walk where you walk. I want to tread on the storms, Jesus, that you tread upon. So if that's you, stand up. Jesus, as we stand, we want to be used by you to see the impossible happen. We want to do whatever's necessary short of sin to see those who don't know you come to know you in a real way. God, we want to see freedom for those who are oppressed. We want to see life change. We want to experience you like never before. God, as we stand, Jesus, forgive us for how we've limited you. God, give us childlike wonder and awe to follow you no matter where you go and to dream dreams that are bigger than we are so that we know at the end of it, we can take no credit, but all glory goes to you. So God, as you use us this week in our neighborhoods, with our neighbors, with our family, with people that we meet, God, in all that happens to you, be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees, says, amen. Love you more than you know.